if I sit here, you know, and said, I have the freedom to play the tuba, you know, I'm like, I, I'm not stopped from playing the tuba, but if I go and play the tuba, I'm not going to sound very good. In a sense, I don't have the freedom to actually <laughs> play the tuba well, because yeah. freedom really requires training. It yeah. requires that habitual training um, through that kind of pushing through of the will when it doesn't feel good, um, to the point where you actually are able to have that freedom to just let out, you know, like that, that stuff that you want to play inside you. Welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Rodai, uh, here at the Coming Home Network, and I, I thank you for joining us again for this conversation. You know, in the last couple of introductory episodes, I was joined by my colleague, uh, Ken Hensley, and we just kind of laid some foundations about what we're going to be talking about this show and talked about how it fits in the context of the work. Uh, but we got a fun discussion for you today uh, about virtue. But before we get to that, I want to introduce my very special guest, my brother, Peter, Father Peter Appleton. Thanks Welcome. for having me on, John Mark. Thanks for appreciating. Yeah, 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 good to have you. And you know, I, I wanted you to just tell people a little bit about yourself, some basic context, but then also for us to talk a bit about how we ended up here in the Coming Home Network in Perrysburg, Ohio, and all that. But you start. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're at. Sure. I um. So I've been a priest for all of how how shall we say three months now. So that's been <laughs> it's been a big summer. Thing. It's been yeah. a big summer. Um, went to Saint Minerad. Uh, Seminary and School of Theology down in Southern Indiana, where my seminaries have been. Was spent about six, spent six years there. One of those was a pastoral internship, so I was away. But um, before that, I was a music liturgist actually at St. Thomas More in Bowling Green, Ohio, and uh, that was a really good experience. But before that, I was at uh, Franciscan University for my four years in philosophy. So yay, I have a little bit yes. of preparation for today. Um, not as much as this guy though. But uh, so I've been serving these past three months at St. Michael the Archangel Parish in Finley, um, big parish, uh, a lot of families. I've been serving as the uh, the director of youth and young adult and campus ministry, actually for campus ministry for the Finley University down there. And so a lot on my plate right now, mm -hmm. but um, but it's been really good. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, I love my job. I love my yeah. Job. So well, it is again. It's interesting with our family that uh, so Dad grew up here. We're we're recording this in Perrysburg, Ohio, which is where this office is. Um, that's where dad grew up, you know, in a house, mm -hmm. you know, a few streets that way. Um, but we grew up in South, uh, Eastern Ohio in different, different locations. And then by many, uh, fortuitous and providential circumstances, we all end up back up here. You know, you with the diocese, Teresa, uh, I, I married to a, a local gal here. And so we relocated back here to be close to her family. Mm -hmm. And so many of our friends are up here and then your connection to Bowling Green, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, this is to have this opportunity then uh, coming up network to, to talk about some of our favorite stuff. It's, it's interesting. All the paths that have led us here. So I'll come down to this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, again, as I said, we uh, coming off a couple conversations with my colleague, Ken. Mm -hmm. So just, to, I mean, to recap, you know, for, for you and for the audience, you know, where we were with those episodes, we started out talking about this universal call to holiness that we all have as Christians. You know, and why is the and a show like Deep in Christ talking about life in Christ? Why is the Coming Home Network doing this? You know, we're a network of people who have come to embrace full communion with the Catholic Church, or people who are considering doing that. Um, 
and so we have uh, you know a lot of resources focusing on the why, the reasons for becoming Catholic, but we're walking with people at all stages of that journey. And what we always recognize and emphasize is that as you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever we are, whatever stage we're at, you know, whatever our, our destination ends up being, because we don't take it for granted when we're talking to somebody, you know, what their process is going to look like, we're walking with them. Wherever they are, whatever their vocation, their background, whatever they're struggling with, we all still have this day-to-day -day obligation to follow Christ and go deeper into Christ. Um, and we all have the grace that we need at this, this moment, this day, to, mm -hmm. to go a little deeper in that. And uh, whether or not we reach our destination, wherever he's calling us to go in life, and again, at the Camino Network, we're helping people become Catholic, it still depends on whether we're faithful this day to what he has given us. So Ken and I talked a little bit about the Lumen Gentium 40, that the passage in there talking about this universal call to holiness. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, in our second episode, we turned to um, the introduction to part three of the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the life in Christ where it gives this nice list of the different types of catechesis about life in Christ that the Christian ought to have. You know, and it lists the, the Holy Spirit, catechesis in the Holy Spirit, virtues, the Beatitudes, uh, ecclesial catechesis, and a couple other that I can't recall offhand. Sure. But the point is we were talking about the different aspects uh, of life in Christ, different mm -hmm. aspects that we'll be exploring on this show. And again, one of those was virtue. Uh, and it happens to be um, rather a, favorite topic of mine, of ours. Yes. And so I thought, you know, it'd be fun. Um, and we may do more of this down the road, but for now, just again, leaping off that, that last discussion with Ken, giving a little overview, a, a little deeper exploration of that, that general topic of virtue. So what is virtue? Why is it important to Christian life? Why are we starting? Why is it there? Maybe I think there is some significance of starting with this a little bit after we've laid those foundations and then discussing a little bit about what the cardinal virtues are, mm -hmm. particularly prudence. And then uh, closing it off with a little bit of how those connect to uh, grace, to the theological virtues, to how this all still happens in the context mm -hmm. of God's providential grace. Mm -hmm. So that's the plan. Cool. Cool. No plan survives uh, contact <laughs> with the enemy. So. That's right. Okay, so to, to begin with, let's talk about what, what is virtue. Um, and I'll, I'll just start us off with a, the, the, the simple line from the catechism, and then we can break it open a little bit. So it says in, cate in the Catechism, and this is paragraph uh, 180304 in there. A virtue is an habitual and firm disposition to do the good. It allows the person not only to perform good acts, but to give the best of himself. The virtuous person tends toward the good with all his sensory and spiritual powers. He pursues the good and chooses it in concrete actions. And then jumping just ahead a, a tiny bit in 1804, human virtues are firm attitudes, stable dispositions, habitual perfections of intellect and will that govern our actions, order our passions, and guide our conduct according to reason and faith. Hmm. And there's a lot more. It's not. I'd encourage everyone to check out uh, the catechism because mm -hmm. you, I think we kind of expect that if we dig into the catechism, it's going to be real deep and real dry and real dusty. This is like three or four, maybe two, three-page section on the, on the virtues, and it's really... Pithy. Mm -hmm. But in terms of what I just read there, you know, when we're talking about virtues, we're talking about habits, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so we're focusing on, um, and I think this is significant because it is easy to feel sometimes like the Christian life is just a series of checkboxes, mm -hmm. but it's about being transformed 
mm-hmm. into who God wants us to be, who he called us to be. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just what we do once, it's what we do over time, every day, mm-hmm. you know, it's the person we're becoming. Yeah, you know, the, the Christian life, it's, it, it's easy to fall, as you said, mentioned, uh, into this checkbox mode. And really, when you kind of uh, dive into sort of the mindset that surrounds that idea, um, the, the idea of the Christian life that comes from that is this idea of not being something. Mm. You know, this yeah. idea of, I am not supposed to be this. I'm yes. not supposed to be a murderer. I'm not supposed yeah. to be a robber check, or, check, check, check. check. <laughs> you know, all these things that I'm not supposed to be. But we yeah. all, obviously, you know, obviously the, when we read the gospel, it's very clear that Christ is drawing us and asking us to follow him, to mm. become like him. And Paul talks about all the time of being unified to Christ, having your heart transformed unto that of Christ. and so. The Christian life is about becoming something else, and naturally, when you be, you know, as you grow closer, as as you become more transformed unto Christ, those other things, those check boxes, you know, they don't really even come into play anymore because mm-hmm. that's just antithetical to the person that you're becoming, you right. know. And so, we focus on the virtues, mm-hmm. then the vices will, they'll fall to the side, right. you know. And the positive check boxes too; those become not things that we, because in this, this is built in here that. Mm-hmm. They're not things that we do out of kind of begrudging duty. Hmm. That's this, it's a habit of the will and a training of the dispositions. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, in our will, we, we choose X, Y, and Z because they're right, because mm-hmm. they're our duty. Mm-hmm. But it's also that, that our heart comes around, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, it talks a lot in scripture about purity of heart. Well, what does purity of heart mean? Mm-hmm. It means that we love the right things in the right order, mm-hmm. that God is first and foremost. Mm-hmm. We don't always feel that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes our will has to push on through and we're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're called to. Right. Like that's not like the, the goal, the mm-hmm. integrated goal is for us, heart and soul, mind, strength, all mm-hmm. to be oriented to what they're supposed to be oriented. Absolutely. Yeah. We talk, there's a the phrase used often, I don't remember, it's probably John Paul too, because yeah. he said all this stuff. But yeah. um, the idea that the, the, the phrase freedom to love, mm-hmm. this idea of freedom to love. And, and, and really when we talk about real freedom, it's not this... It's not this, uh, you know, not being chained up to something. It's not that idea. When I, you know, as a piano player, as yeah. a as a person who likes to play, you know, uh, musical instruments and things, I know how important it is to to practice, you know, to consistently, you know, to to reengage, you know, that skill set and to to grow in the muscle memory and in the knowledge and the mind and everything, because essentially, when it comes to if I if I if I sit here, you know, and said I have the freedom to play the tuba, you know, I'm like I I'm not stopped from playing the tuba, but if I go and play the tuba. I'm not going to sound very good. In a sense, I don't have the freedom to actually play the tuba well because yeah. freedom really requires training. It yeah. requires that habitual training um, through that kind of pushing through of the will when it doesn't feel good um, to the point where you actually are able to have that freedom to just let out, you know, like that that stuff that you want to play inside you. Right. It's very much like that with the virtues. Like mm-hmm. initially, you know, we can, we can want to do the good. Mm-hmm. We can desire to do the good and we can even know how to do the good. But coming to the point where we actually can love doing the good, right? That's the type of thing that we want to achieve with virtues. Yeah. That's the type of thing that virtue gets us to. Totally, I, I love the, uh, the the analogy of music because I'm not a musician. I mean, I, I sing, but I observe good. I observe musicians, and again, the, to see the the freedom, mm-hmm. the, the the difference between you know the, the kind of the stilted difficulty of beginning an instrument to the real freedom of the of the practice musician. I, mean, mm-hmm. I see it when you play. You know, like that's. I, I can see that be like that's a really amazing thing that happens. Well, that is such a neat analogy for what we're called to in the spiritual life. You know that mm-hmm. we're uh, we are to be transformed into uh, people who who don't just do the good begrudgingly but love it. Mm-hmm. You know, 
so that integrative aspect of this. I also I think what I like about the virtues too is that um, they also point us to or keep us grounded in uh, a very Catholic understanding that we are body and soul. Hmm. You know, we're not ghosts in the machine. We're not disembodied spirits that just happen to have to be tied to this this body. No, like mm -hmm. he made us humans, and he became body and soul too. You know, he be, you know, Christ became an experience that with us. So it's not an accident that we're that we live this embodied hylomorphic, you know, experience. Um, and the virtues I think keep us grounded in the fact that you know we that our 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 faith, or the doctrine, the prayer, the stuff over here is connected to everything else we do in our life mm -hmm. you know my, my 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 physical body my sleep the things yeah. that i do with my body affect they, they affect each other when i'm when i'm getting out of bed in the morning mm -hmm. and exerting courage to push through that difficult moment that's the same courage that i'm using when i'm resisting a temptation mm -hmm. or that i'm speaking up for the truth it's all connected mm -hmm. so that's kind of again an overview of, of virtue here and again i wanted to I wanted to start us off with a, a little bit of an overview in terms of this show because as we go deeper into understanding life in Christ and, and learning about any parts of the faith, I think we always have to keep in mind, um, again, it's all grace. It mm -hmm. all comes from grace. But then we have to be instantiating that in our mm -hmm. habits, mm -hmm. in our decisions, and not just our decisions in this narrow box of faith that we sometimes yeah. corner it in, but in all aspects of our life. The uh, you talked earlier about how um, wherever you know wherever we're on the path, whatever the destination is, you know the grace that God gives us today to work to work out you know our, our salvation with fear and trembling, as it talks yeah. about in Scripture. Um, that's something that like we as a culture you know really really struggle to focus on sometimes because we're very much a big picture people. Mm -hmm. We're very much a, you know, you, you can see that a lot when it comes to uh, just things going on in the world. It's a lot easier to think of all the big things that are happening out there that we don't necessarily have a lot of control over. But when it comes to, you know, like we, we sometimes get distracted from all the little things, all the daily little things that we are called to do. And, and virtues is such a great way to start talking about the life of faith because it really it calls you to examine. Okay, what are the things today? What are the one or two small steps today I can make concretely in the actions to take the next step on that life of virtue, that life of becoming more like Christ? Yeah. And sometimes that is the simplest thing of just getting out of bed right when I wake up. You know, no matter how hard it feels or everything. You know, like we can yeah. think about the bigness of the becoming a saint and all those great things yeah. out there, but that starts today. Yes, in this minute. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's how the saints got there. We, we focus sometimes yeah. on their bigness, you know, yeah. on the big things they did. But that, that they got there by faithfulness in little things. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Okay, so with that in mind, mm. um, I, want to, I want us to dig a little bit into the cardinal virtues. Again, the, the church drawing on the wisdom of, of the ancients, the Greeks, you know, recognized the truth in this, recognized that it resonated with so much of sacred scripture, um, that this, this structure of the human or cardinal virtues, as we call them, uh, it was an important, important structure, an important grouping. Um, the four cardinal virtues are prudence, justice, uh, fortitude, or courage. It's sometimes called, and temperance. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting for me, and we've talked about this a lot, you know, I, I kind of got into the virtues a couple, uh, three or four years ago, and now I started reading them. And one thing that intrigued me about the virtues when I began to read and explore is that I, I'd always been, I'd always heard virtues referenced, different lists, different categorizations. Um, they always seemed very vague and kind of 
unsystemized, uncategorized. Mm -hmm. When I I, uh, I dug into Joseph Pieper, who's a, a German uh, Catholic philosopher, um, yeah, yeah, who draws a lot on Saint Thomas Aquinas, I realized that you know in the in the tradition of the church there was a very specific structure of virtue a very specific science of virtue and vice that in many ways we've kind of lost mm -hmm. and one of the first aspects of that that really struck me and Pieper makes a really big point of it in his books uh, is this preeminence of the cardinal virtue of prudence mm -hmm. so i want to read uh, uh, i want to read a quote and then i must talk a little bit more about prudence and, and how odd it is for us to maybe at at the beginning to hear about that this is such a foundational virtue. So um, this is in Pieper's anthology of his own work. Um, he writes, Highest in rank among the four cardinal virtues is prudence, a notion quite alien to us, if indeed we find any meaning in it at all, and I have not even used a precise formulation yet. Prudence, strictly speaking, does not stand on the same level as justice, courage, and temperance. She is not, as it were, the eldest or the most beautiful of four sisters. Prudence, to stay with this image, is rather the mother of the other virtues, the genetrix virtutum, the virtue bearer, in the words of St. Thomas Aquinas. This means, expressed without the image, that justice, courage, and temperance exist only because of prudence. Prudence is the precondition for all that is ethically good. Well, there you have it. We're done. We're done. All yeah, right. Wrap it up. Go have, uh, have fun. No. <laughs> now, why is that weird? Why is it, I mean, it sounds odd, I think, to some of us when, when we're presented with this idea that prudence is preeminent. Sure, yeah. Um, I think there are probably a lot of reasons for that. I think one of them is that it, I think for most of us, mm. without any sort of in-depth look into theology, which most of us do not have the privilege of having, mm. um, prudence is one of those things you just don't think about as a virtue much anymore. You know, I mean, it's just like, when's the last time you thought like, oh yeah, you know, I need to be more prudent. That's what and I'm what really does that lacking. even mean? Yeah. You know, it's like, great. Does but, prudence just mean don't be stupid? Yeah, stupid. right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, how, how often do we, you know, if it feels like the only times that prudence actually gets mentioned these days is kind of as a reason to not do something. Yeah. Right. You know, which sort of fits in with the whole mentality of checking the negative, you know, checking the not, don't do the bad things, check boxes. Right. You know, prudence is just don't do that stuff, right. you know, or just have the kind of sensibility or the common sense to not do that, right. whatever that happens to be. You yeah. know, I'm going to be prudent enough to not, you know, walk on the uh, the, the barrier um, on the side of a bridge, you know, over a river or something, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. That's, that would be imprudent right. you know, to do that. And Pieper also points out, too, that it's sometimes we even use prudence uh, in opposition to the other virtues. Mm. You know, like we, we sometimes we, we contrast or we pit prudence and courage against mm -hmm. each other like you know he you know he's he's not going to go do that courageous good thing mm -hmm. he's too prudent for that sure you know or you know we think of prudence as this cautious kind of crafty trying to avoid responsibility trying mm -hmm. to avoid perhaps the demands of the gospel or the demands yeah. of courage and i think that uh we, we can see that with other virtues um as well mm -hmm. uh where because we don't quite we don't understand when we don't understand the virtue the right way yeah uh, we don't understand that holistic um, uh, matrix that yeah. you're talking about of the virtues and how it all fits into, you know, the the, the wonder of being of God Himself and yeah. the nature of reality. 
we, we have a tendency to, to pick virtues and virtues and kind of think of them as, oh, there's like they're on kind of opposite ends and we sort of have to find like this kind of nice little balance in the middle and stuff. When it comes to other things, like there there are certainly are extremes when it comes to stuff and that finding the balance is the virtue itself. But when it comes to the virtues, uh, you know, we can think of almost justice and mercy is another one we can mm-hmm. think of as, oh, there are like these opposite things and we have to balance them. But really it's an... When we under, come to understand like the depth of those things, it's it's really the uniting of those. It's really that they in their they, full strength. Their full strength. Yeah. It, there's no opposition. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's no weak, bland, boring compromise. Yeah. It's both of them to the nth power. Yes. So to speak. Yeah. God so, is all just and all merciful. Amen. <laughs> amen. So that's again we have we have these conceptions of prudence that that Peeper is challenging here. So I want to read a little bit more. This is uh, from his book on the cardinal virtues. And he writes that prudence is the... uh, Is this the one I was going to read next? Well, it doesn't matter. This is a good quote. Prudence is the cause of the other virtues as being virtues at all. Let me stop here for a moment. Let let us give our basic sort of uh, elevator pitch definition of prudence. What I would say that prudence is... Like we know it has to do with decision making. Mm -hmm. The way I like to think of prudence is that it is a turning toward reality and making a decision, uh, translating that reality into decision. A right response to reality is the way Teresa likes to to say it. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, because I don't think we'd stated that yet, Pieper goes on. Mm -hmm. Prudence is the cause of the other virtues as being virtues at all. For example, there may be a kind of instinctive governance of instinctual cravings, but only prudence transforms this instinctive governance into the virtue of temperance. Virtue is a perfected ability of man as a spiritual person, and justice, fortitude, and temperance as abilities of the whole man achieve their perfection only when they are founded upon prudence, that is, upon the perfected ability to make right decisions. Only by means of this perfected ability to to make good choices are instinctive inclinations toward goodness exalted into the spiritual core of man's decisions from which truly human acts arise. And then later, this, thus, prudence is the cause, root, mother, measure, precept, guide, and prototype of all ethical virtues. Hmm. So again, this this still may sound a little foreign and weird, but as we begin to process it, I think it, it makes so much sense here that we, you know, if we think about our world today, we think about how people go through life to begin down the path of translating the reality, the reality of the faith, the reality hmm. of the world God has made, the reality of who God is and who I am. I have to be a person of truth. Hmm. I have to, it has to be a conscious desire, a conscious choice of mine to be a person of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the other virtues depend on that truth. Like, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't be a person of courage unless I first have turned toward and faced up to the truth. And so prudence starts this domino, this, this set of dominoes that if I, I can go through life imprudently kind of thoughtless just bouncing through life just reacting mm-hmm. um, but to I, I have to i have to wake up and start this process start this state of being this way this habit of being that is prudent one might say you you have to be woke <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear it here no <laughs> we're gonna cut that out Hashtag, that yeah gosh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, it, and, and like even going back so far as to, uh, you know, even go back so far to look at Plato, yeah. you know, Plato and Socrates and the the analogy of the cave. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but part of it is just, you know, the, the main thing eventually is that is this idea of waking up to, 
mm-hmm. to turn away from the shadows that are cast by things in the world and to mm-hmm. turn out and look into the light and see reality for what it is. Right. And whatever that, you know, whatever that looks like, whether Plato's writing exactly what he's trying to talk about, what is reality, the yeah. point is still important. That that reality, that truth, you know, you can't really make decisions about things until you've actually taken that step to say, okay, what it what it really is real. Yeah. You yeah. know, what is what is the truth? What yeah. is it the things that I need to react to? Because yeah. otherwise you can't know. Um, you can't have any sense of where you need to go or what you need to do with that because right. you're you're ultimately reacting to a falsity. So. And I think prudence is, is heightened and actually, you know, made more possible and attractive to the Christian because again, why would one want to be a person of truth? Hmm. You know, if you if you are living out comfortable lies, why would one decide to turn to the truth? Well that you know We'll talk about this a little bit later on, but there, there's a connection to the theological virtues here. That God's mm-hmm. always, even before we know it, He's always pursuing us. His grace is always there. He's always, you know, inviting us, even if we don't know it consciously. Mm-hmm. And this decision to turn to truth, it's 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 a it's a, it's a leap of faith, you know, mm-hmm. to become a person that you know what life is hard, but I'm going to try to be a person of truth. I want mm-hmm. I want to see things as they are, really, and I want to try to make good decisions in light of that truth. But that that takes it takes a primordial sort of courage yeah, and justice and faith absolutely. there to begin that process. Mm-hmm. It takes that step out on the water, you know, of Peter's. Um, yeah. Because, you know, ultimately when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to truth and reality and everything, we, we most of the time we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what we don't have, mm-hmm. you know. And so it almost always, that, that, that step onto the path of virtue of trying to seek, okay, I'm really going to try to live by the truth, and try to seek the truth and try to live by the truth. It's always stepping out onto a road that seems dark, you know, because it's stepping out of your own comfort zone into a road where you don't know what exactly lies at the other end. You haven't experienced it yet. You haven't right. found the joy, the deep abiding joy mm-hmm. that is promised by God. Yeah. But it is promised. Yeah. And that's where that that that, that step of faith comes in. That you yeah. don't know what you don't have yet, and you don't even know necessarily what you don't know yet. Yeah. But you have faith in God that it will be good. Yeah. You know, it's the first step on the journey. We're all about journeys here at the Kingdom Network. Oh, boy. One more quick quote, and this is to round off this notion of prudence here. Pieper writes, what is, what is asked of us, then, is no less than this, to reduce our own interest to that silence which is an absolute precondition if we want to hear or perceive anything. Yet everybody knows whether we are dealing with the reconstruction of a traffic accident or trying to arrive at an adequate judgment in some dispute, should one of the parties involved fail to see the events the way that they really occurred, then all further considerations become futile. The precondition for further reasoning is simply missing. The precondition for every ethical decision is the perception and examination of reality. Hmm. And yet this perception makes up only the first half of prudence. The other half consists in translating our knowledge of reality into decision and action. We are thus able to state Prudence is the art of making the right decision based on the corresponding reality, mm-hmm. no matter whether justice, courage, or temperance is at stake. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that first step of knowing the reality that we, we, we've been talking about, when it comes to like how concretely, how does that look exactly like in a particular situation? Um, one of the things that we have to think about is how concretely every day the first step of prudence, the first step of being prudent, is simply knowing when we don't have the full story. Yeah. Is recognizing that a lot of the time, as he talked about, like in the car accident or whatever, you know, we don't have the full story right off the bat. Is it recognizing that a lot of times 
we don't have that perfect knowledge of the truth of the facts and everything. Yeah. And so of basically, we, we all know that feeling of being pulled along by our passion mm -hmm. towards like that thing, that little bit that we know and just yeah. basically kind of being riled up and just kind of pulled right into things before we really have a sense of what's going on or what has happened or everything. Yeah. And so that's the first step of prudence that we always have to say is that have that in a sense, kind of in a, in a, a kind of secular way, have the prudence mm -hmm. to, to take a step back and say, okay, yeah. I need to do my diligent duty yeah. to actually know what is the truth yeah. before I try to make a decision. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a really, that, um, that also points to how, again, prudence becomes a habit. Because we're, again, we're talking about a virtue mm -hmm. here. You know, we, we may decide today that we're going to start down this path, mm -hmm. but it involves trying to live a life of, again, being awake, mm -hmm. alert being a person who's habitually trying to step back and attend to the truth before we make a decision, mm -hmm. you know, and that, uh, you know, that becomes a habitual, that becomes more of who we are over time. And there's, there's a lot to be said there, you know, the Holy Spirit's involved, you know, the, the, the walk of the Christian life, but this becomes a habit, mm -hmm. a habit of trying to seek the truth, remain in the truth and only act out of Truth. It's amazing how easy it is. You know, we all know that feeling right after we wake up, right? Yeah. We just kind of stumble around. We're in this kind of haze <laughs> and this fog and everything. But it's amazing how easy it is to literally continue in that fog the rest of the day. Yes. That that fog of just not really taking a step back and say, okay, what 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 is the situation that I'm in right now? Yeah. What is the thing I actually need to do? Like, yeah. what what is the truth of the reality around this? You know, if I. For instance, like, you know, a, a, a man, like, or, or I guess I'll speak about myself, like in seminary or something, you know, you wake up on a Saturday, you don't have a ton to do or something. And it's like, I can easily, especially since I don't have a lot I have to do, mm -hmm. that the outside, you know, is not telling me, my, my seminary, you know, seminary formators are not telling me to do stuff. Right. So I have like this whole day ahead of me. And it's amazing how easy it was if, if you don't just have that wake up moment, you were say, okay, well, what, I have this time today. Right. And like, uh, all of a sudden I'm sitting there and realize I'm playing Xbox or something, you know, it's been two hours or something. And so it's like, you wake up and you're like, what am I doing with yeah. myself? Yeah. And, and, and what is the, res what is the responsibility I have to this time that God has given me? Yeah. You know, and to have that wake up moment where like the fog lifts and you say like, okay, like I need, I need to wake up. I need yeah. to wake up and I need to actually consider what should I be doing right now? Right. You know? I love that image because it gives us a practical note about implementing prudence, hmm. but it also points us to our, our, our I think, our, our next cardinal virtue. Okay, hmm. so I, I would say that, you know, the, the reason why a lot of people, they start their mornings by getting up early hmm. and to do their prayer first thing in the morning, or they maybe they get out their journal, whatever, hmm. is because it would seem to me, that for many people, a good practical way of beginning to implement prudence is by getting up and actually getting up. Mm -hmm. And again, getting us in that frame of mind. Okay, Lord, what what do I need to do today? Yeah. You know, who, who am I? Where am I? What's going on? And mm -hmm. I, I want to be intentional about this day. Mm -hmm. So prudence always attends to reality. That's what this, that's what prudence is as a habit. And I think we see now, practically speaking, why uh, all moral virtue passes by way of prudence. Because mm -hmm. again, if we're, if we're not choosing it, if we're not being intentional, we're just stumbling through life. We're mm -hmm. stumbling through our day. So the first step is to wake up mm -hmm. and to choose and to attend to reality. So we're not going to uh, go as deep into the other virtues because we wanted to focus on, on prudence here. But, you know, what's the first, I think the first or an aspect of reality that prudence primarily attends to is precisely justice. What should I be doing? Hmm. Who am I? What are my responsibilities? So if we were to put a, a kind of a brief definition of justice, it is to give to the other what 
is their it's due, what is, what is owed them. And I think we typically think of justice uh, in our modern society always about justice out there. Mm-hmm. You know, is society just? What are the injustices that are occurring? Or maybe what justice is owed me? Mm-hmm. What am I owed? Mm-hmm. But the focus here is on the virtue of justice, which is, you know, what do I owe to others, mm-hmm. to other people that I'm in relationship with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we, we live in this interconnected web of relationships with other beings, right? With our God, our mm-hmm. Creator, with our fellow man, you know, our, our spouses, you know, our children, our neighbors, our co-workers, our bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, and justice uh, is... Uh, responding to each of those relationships properly. Yeah. And so that's the first thing that prudence asks is, okay, what, uh, who are the people I'm in relationship with? What do I owe them? What's, yeah. what's the right response to them? You know, I think of uh, situations that we've all seen where, you know, you have a, uh, like a father and a family who um, just, just works and works and works and works for his family in the sense of like, he goes and he does his job. Yeah. And he just making all the money he can, money after money after money and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because kind of somewhere in the back of mind, he just says, that's what I'm supposed to do. Provide the money for him and everything. Yeah. But, you know, if you take a step back in that situation, a lot of those times, um, you take a step back and say, what does actually do my family? Mm-hmm. Is it to get them the best cars and the biggest house and everything? Mm-hmm. What does actually do my family by me? Yeah. And a lot of those situations, I mean, you know, every, every, for, it's, a, it's a discernment thing for each yeah, person, of yes. course. But we definitely see a lot of situations these days where if, if a man, uh, where, where the man, if he stepped back and said, what is due my family? Yeah. He would say, what is due my family right now is to take a little bit of step back from my work and spend time with them, yeah. you know, like to yeah. love them. I mean, that, that is what's due his family, you know, yeah. um, to provide them too, of course. But um there's there's so many uh, situations where justice is not being done yeah. simply because it is not being examined. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's a level in which you know you can look at it very black and white. Justice either is or isn't done in mm-hmm. certain relationships or in certain decisions, certain questions. But I think the growth in the virtue of justice is precisely this: that as we dig into those relationships, as we ask about their nature, you know, what is my nature as a father or a husband? or a priest, mm. you know, or an employee, or a brother, or a friend, or whatever it is, if I dig into the, if I go beyond maybe the minimum, sort of dig in and recognize, no, what, what is this really about? What, what more could I give here? What, what do I owe to the, in the max mm-hmm. to this person? And of course, the first of those relationships is God. Mm-hmm. You know, religion, piety, worship, those are the first duties of justice in relation to, to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to everybody else too, that there's there's more, or maybe the wrong things that we're not necessarily giving them. See, I think another aspect here is that we're always surrounded by a, a, a million duties, potential goods we could be doing. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the virtue of justice too is also like organizing those over time. Sure, understanding how they they how they stack up. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I, I do have an obligation to my job. Mm-hmm. You know, in the example you gave, but do I perhaps put that above my obligation to God? Mm-hmm. Or my obligation to my family, to my spouse. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of thing happens all the time. Absolutely. I mean, the the easiest, I think, probably uh, example we can give is when a man is faced with an opportunity to be promoted mm-hmm. or something, and he knows that the promotion will result. You know, he knows that because they've told him it's going to result in a lot more responsibilities and everything, mm-hmm. and he's going to start moving probably from working forty to fifty hours a week to like sixty or seventy hours a week because of like the things involved in the job and everything. Yeah. 
and from kind of like a worldly perspective, we can just like, well, that's automatically better, right? You know, like that's that's better for my family. That's right. you know, because right. we're gonna make more money and everything. Yeah. But to actually step back and consider what is what does the justice do? Yeah. Different situations, you know, what does the justice do my family and everything, and how do I act best, you know, most justly? Right. There's there's multiple, you know, things there. But as you talk about, it's that prioritization of yeah. saying like, will this make it harder or almost impossible? For me to actually do justice yeah. for my family, you know. Yeah, and this is why justice, again, like the other two cardinal virtues, which we'll get to here in a moment, uh, they all still depend on prudence. Because mm -hmm. to to evaluate that rightly, to discern those difficult questions, and you can't discern them from somebody else. Like each person has to discern those with they have to walk Absolutely, humbly with right. God, discern them for themselves. Absolutely. But it involves stepping back again in this 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 um, this habit of prudence, mm -hmm. of attending to reality, Lord. What's real here? Mm -hmm. What have you really called me to? What's really good for my family versus yes. maybe what the world tells me? Yeah. It all justice for justice to be done. You, it always has to involve this turning back to reality and trying to only operate out of mm -hmm. out of truth. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's certainly not as like as simple as saying like you can only work this much, right, you right, know, right. or something like that. Yeah. Because every situation is different. It's yeah. going to be different yeah. for someone who. Um, you know, has this many kids or something, or mm -hmm. just has like this much debt or something going on, you know, and, yeah. and, and maybe they have to discern that, okay, you know, what's really needed right now is for me to work more right. or for me to take the, this thing and everything. Yeah. But that's why it's a discernment, yeah. you know, and the more that we can, the more that we can uh, dive deep into the knowledge, um, knowledge that's provided to us by the wisdom of the church and the yeah. wisdom of scriptures, the more that we have that reality, those, yeah. those, that truth at hand to actually make a prudent, discernment yeah. of what is just and then to choose it absolutely so we have prudence here at the top mother mold the root the, the bearer of all virtue mm. one of the primary realities that that uh, prudence tends to is justice which is this you know the the real relationships that i have and mm. what i what i ought to give to god and to my fellow uh, people mm. then we have these virtues of courage and temperance or fortitude and temperance um now Courage or fortitude, you know, is this, I mean, you might say it's doing the hard, right thing, even when it's hard, because it's right. Mm -hmm. You know, once we've, again, in prudence, we, we recognize the, the truth of things. In justice, we recognize what we need to, to do. And courage is that virtue in play when it's difficult mm -hmm. because of, of an external uh, situation. It's difficult to do our duty. Mm -hmm. We're fearful of death or of injury or difficulty. Courage is the virtue of of exerting our will and pushing against that difficulty. Yeah. Courage is a really good example um, that really demonstrates how virtue and vice are habits, mm -hmm. I think. Because we, I would say that um, most of us are aware of situations in our life where we maybe have habitually turned away from a situation that Phone takes calls. courage. Phone calls. Yeah, I, know, I exactly. avoid them at all costs. There you it go. It just gets harder. <laughs> Public places? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> People? Um, but, but the more that we, we can see how over time, we if, if we're like not responding to that call yeah. in, in, in courage, how that actually begins then twisting our perception of reality. Where the more that those situations come up, the more that we don't want to face up against that truth anymore. Yes. You know, the more that we want to try to find a way to make an excuse and it becomes scarier. It becomes mm -hmm. a monster kind of in the closet for us yeah. that it becomes 
where we get more and more frightened of it. And so more and more we want to turn away from the truth or just not wake up to that situation when it's presented to us. Yeah. That, oh, maybe, maybe that's something I need to do. And so then we kind of look for distraction. It's, it's, it kind of like backtracks and then we become imprudent. And, yeah, you know, yeah. So. No, I love that. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a sort of an interconnection mutuality with, with all the virtues and prudence. You know, sure. There's a, there's a waking up to reality maybe biting off a small piece in courage, mm. but then with greater courage comes a greater ability to, to really face up to reality, especially mm -hmm. difficult realities. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, and the, again, you well, I haven't even talked about vice yet, but you brought up the, the point here that the opposite is true too. Mm. The more I fail in courage to face up to reality, to do the hard thing, the harder it becomes. Mm. And the more difficult it becomes to be a person of truth, to mm. look at difficult truth. Yeah. 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 So I think courage is one we're more familiar with. And again, our, our goal here is just to give an overview. We're going to dig into courage uh, at some point in some fashion in the future. But let's go on to temperance. So temperance, again, like courage, it's, it's invo it, it involves doing a duty, doing the things that we, that we know in prudence and justice we're supposed to do. But temperance involves our, our inner life. So again, as, as uh, embodied uh, beings, body and soul, you know, we have we have desires, we have passions that are given by God for good reasons. We have desires for food and drink to nourish us. We have desire for you know social affirmation. We have desire, you know, uh, we have desire for sex. We have desire for power, the ability, all kinds of desires that our mm -hmm. our, our nature uh, propels us towards. Temperance is that virtue by which we we guide those desires to their proper mm -hmm. point. We we rein them in. The Greeks like to use the image of horses. You yeah. know, we, we rein them in when they're going off track. Mm -hmm. We don't kill the horses. That's not how you mm -hmm. deal with unruly desires, unruly passions. No, you rein them in. You meet the horses, mm -hmm. you know, and you guide them to their proper destination. Yeah, it's a really... I, I love that idea that the uh, the image of the horses because yeah. temperance is another one of those virtues where it can be easy only see the negative. Oh, only yeah, to totally. see the the pulling back. Basically, yeah. it kind of becomes a uh, like a... A Puritan yeah, kind of just idea. Don't just, do the just thing. don't do That's the all thing. That's all it is. Yeah. Just kind of like set this boundary and then just kind of like never, never like, you know, that, that that's as simple as that. Just basically right. just saying just this is it. But another like another image that's really nice too is that, you know, temperance, one of the one of the words that we associate with that, um, everything springing from its, its Greek, you know, or origins and everything is tempering, uh -huh. which is used in smithing, you know, yeah. in, in, in when you temper the edge of a sword. It holds its sharpness more, nice. and the idea is that um, the idea is that you know it, it's basically allowing for the edge of the sword to hold you know to hold its sharpness and to do what it's intended to do. Yes, oh, better. Great. You know, I mean that that's the point of it all, right? You know, is that these passions the that point. God has given us the, the point of oh it. my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. All right, I'm done. Bye. <laughs> One pun too many. One Sorry. pun. <laughs> you just that broke the horse's back right that's there. Right. Oh there my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's that idea that you know these passions you say they're they're good that God has given us he he didn't he didn't make our bodies bad and our souls good where we're constantly just having to try to like rein in and keep right. our bodies from doing bad things but the passions are good and it's all about yeah it's like this river that we're just supposed to angle into the right things yeah. you know and when we find a situation where it's like our passion is leading us to do something good and then we certain like that is the good thing to do and everything to a certain extent we can kind of like all right horses like go you know like. Yeah. Do you know, pursue and do the good thing? You yeah. know, yeah. yeah. We talked. We were talking about that a little bit in the beginning here. That you know, certainly there are days when, again, like using our image mm -hmm. of the day as we did earlier, there are days you're gonna you're gonna wake up in the morning and you're gonna be groggy 
Mm. You're, you're going to try to wake up to reality. You're going to attend to your duties. But this it's, morning. But, <laughs> but it's going to be difficult. Yeah. You know, with or without coffee, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a grind. Okay. So you have to do your duty that day. Mm. You know, you push on through, even though your passions, your desires, you just want to go back to bed. Nice. You know, days go like that sometimes, yeah. you know. But the point is that that even though that, that you have to do on that day what needs done, even mm. though you're not feeling it, mm. that's not the ideal, right? We're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not just your will, mm. but your heart as well. Mm-hmm. And so temperance is really involved with the heart. Mm. You know, that over time, you know, again, cooperating, all this is cooperating with God's grace. Yeah. He's doing this. He gave us this nature. He's working through this. But that our heart becomes pure. The scriptures talk a lot about purity of heart. Well, what does purity of heart mean? Mm-hmm. I like Kierkegaard's description. Purity of heart is to will one thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I love your image of the of the spear or the knife edge, mm-hmm. that these desires are here for a purpose. And the, the, the primary purpose, the primary love, attachment of our heart is to be God. Mm-hmm. And so the tempering of these is not to destroy them. Mm-hmm. It's to reorient them so that they're in line with God's purposes for our lives. Yeah. Another aspect of that analogy, no, no, you know, obviously, no analogy is perfect. But another aspect of that analogy of the tempering of the edge of a spear or a sword or something yeah. is that it prevents it from getting dulled yeah. as it as it moves through things that are difficult for it. Yeah. You know, and so when we talk about temperance, like of our passions and temperance, like of our actions and things, it's once again it's this habituating of the self, so that as you move through these difficult situations, you know, where we're having to kind of like, okay, I got to rein this in a little bit, I got to rein that in a little bit, I got to order this a little bit, you know, a bit better. Yeah. Where it 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 makes it it holds its blade, you know, yes. it pushes through the difficult things um, in a more consistent way, where we're no longer, you know, we talk about we're we're no longer just kind of this wave of just like, okay, I kind of good this one day, and then I just sort of let myself go this right. other day because right. I was having a bad day or something. You know, it's this idea of, of 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 tempering yourself, yeah. of becoming habitu habituated to choosing the good in yeah. every situation, habituated to or ordering those passions and 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 kind of keeping the proper rein on those passions in all the situations that they yeah. they arise. But you know, um, I thought of something earlier, John Mark, yes. and I'm going to say this because I'm going to forget it. Do it. You heard it here first, okay? If prudence is the mother of all virtue, yes. Then coffee is the midwife. <laughs> Gives birth just, to uh, just kind of helps, you know. Well, God gave us so, both the cardinal virtues as well as coffee. As well as coffee, so, him, so right, yeah, you know, it's in His plan. Yeah, I love when you get down to this level of of temperance and, and thinking about the passions. Like again, I, I think it's such an the image of the horses, the image of the passions here. Yeah, I think if we really stew on all this stuff, we recognize that this this tells us so much about ourselves and about mm. our world today. Because I think most of us, even we who are trying to live intentional mm-hmm. Christian lives, we, in fact, <laughs> even sometimes at our best, what we think are our best moments, we're being led by our passions. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just passions for disordered things, it's passion for good things. Like pa- Sometimes our passion for sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. when it's not prudent, mm-hmm. like we can do it wrongly. Absolutely. We can do it in ways that are just dumb mm-hmm. and d- unhelpful. Mm-hmm. So again, whatever the, whatever we happen to be our, our, our passions are, are pulling us towards at any given moment. We have to be people guided by reason. By again, stepping back, turning to reality. Lord, what really is my duty here? What really do you want of me? I may, I may have a desire to do this thing. You know, I may be at work and really desire to get on the internet and tell all the people on the internet why they're wrong. Mm-hmm. But this is not the time for that. Mm-hmm. Lord, I, I need to do what I ought to do here and now. And so mm-hmm. I have to temper that desire. 
that's where that prayerful discernment comes in because yeah. you know virtues they're not just kind of a thing out there that we're just trying to like we're trying to grab you right, know like right. like okay maybe i can do that you know eventually yeah but they're they're this external and beautiful you know foundation of reality of, of mm-hmm. the nature of god who has made all things that that interact with our personal selves and mm-hmm. you know plato you know, socrates big thing you know is know thyself yeah and that's obviously that's that's a huge part of growing in virtue is like looking at your own particular mm-hmm. difficulties so what are the things that i'm strong at what are the things that i'm weak at and everything and bringing the virtues into that conversation of who i am and also what i need to be and, and it's a yeah. discernment thing for each person you know, there's an objective reality to the, the virtues, but there's also like, what do I need to step and work on next and everything and exactly how it's going to be applied and everything. Yeah. Like that's where we got to know your, we got, we got to pray and ask God to even reveal ourselves to yeah. us, you know, and it, that comes right back around to the beginning of, of prudence. Yeah. Knowing the reality first. Yeah. You know, knowing yourself. Yeah. That's um, a really important point that, because the, the rea- there's the reality of things, the reality of the world, mm-hmm. but there's also the reality of that you know, on the level of courage and temperance, what you're afraid of is different than what I'm afraid mm-hmm. of. What's difficult for you is different than what's difficult yeah. for me. What for th- you desire is different from what I desire. For this one guy who's, you know, th- this this friend, yeah. whoever he may be, you know, whatever, who's who's really good at just kind of going out there and speaking the truth, but maybe oftentimes does it without love. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, I have the difficult with the, with the courage sometimes, yeah. you know, yeah. to say what needs to be said in particular situations. Right. And so we, we understand like our passions kind of naturally draw us in these different ways. And, and when it comes to the truth of sort of like what we need to, to wrestle with in particular, that's where the sermon comes in. It's like, yeah. okay, like what is prudence is going to look like for me is maybe going to be even a little bit different than what it's going to look like for him. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to wrap this up a little bit, but just, you know, we mentioned, at the beginning, we mentioned a few times in the middle, but you know, we always want to bring it back to um, that this. The, even though the virtues are talking about the aspect of the spiritual life where where we're acting, we're cooperating with God. We're still cooperating with God in mm. His grace. This comes to us from grace in our nature, in God's guidance, in the church that what informs our you know our, our discernment of justice. Um, but it also, uh, per, I would say, the the then engagement of the cardinal virtues, growing in a life of virtue, also disposes us to a, an active engagement with uh, the theological virtues. So the theological virtues are faith, hope, and charity, and those again are there in Scripture. But they're sort of referring to God's grace working in us. You know, like we receive those as gifts. We're able to be people of faith, hope, and love as as a direct result of God's grace. You know, mm-hmm. participate in those, and so those those sort of set us off on the path of virtue. But then also, as we practice virtue, we become more disposed to an active participation in faith, mm-hmm. hope, and love. Yeah, Augustine talks out a bit about, about that a good bit when he talks about different types of graces and stuff. And, and my memory is going to fail me a little bit, but here, right here. But one of the things that he talks about is how, yeah, the cooperation with grace then merits more grace mm-hmm. unto us you know and and it's so because you start trying to talk about that basically that how do we understand you know both the the, the free gift of god's grace in different right. situations but also how like we somehow merit more grace you know mm-hmm. and so that's one of those things like when we respond to little bits and those are sometimes the hardest things you know right. when we respond to the initial promptings of grace which sometimes takes a heck of a lot of courage yeah. and it's that stepping out in faith into yeah. a, a sea that you don't know if god's going to keep you above yeah. um and that 
merits more grace. And that's part of the faith is knowing that God isn't just going to, the God's not going to leave you with the little bit of strength that you have right now. He's not going to leave you with the little bit that you have right now. He's going to multiply that over and over and everything, you know, so. Because again, this is about transformation. Absolutely. You know, we we are broken people. We've Mm -hmm. all sinned, fallen short, but he has a glorious destiny for each of us. He Mm -hmm. he wants us to be a saint. Mm -hmm. He wants us to, he commands us to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And so he will give us the grace, you know, but it, we, we have to say yes to that grace. Uh, reading from this last weekend, you know, yeah. you, you mentioned a little bit of it here, but I was looking for the rest of it uh-huh. um, because it was just so fitting to this whole discussion about um, about these virtues and everything. Because it, it, it talks not only about kind of the work that we do, but then the response that God has to us. And it's from uh, Philippians uh, Chapter 4, starting with verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace will be with you. And in our translation, um, you know, we had, it's like, and, and then the God of peace will be with you. And it's this idea, you know, the more that we contemplate these virtuous realities and the more we try to imitate them in our life, yeah. then God responds even more so. Right. You know, he gives you that peace, that sense of like, yeah, I am doing the right thing. This is good. You know, this is, this is what I was made for. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, this is good. I mean, I, again, I hope um, those listening and or watching, you know, uh, enjoyed this little overview here. As I said at the beginning, I really wanted to lay this groundwork uh, because I have a personal passion for the virtues, and I think they're really helpful to this discussion. You know, as we talk about other aspects of the, the Christian life, prayer, devotion, the Holy Spirit, you know, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, Beatitudes, all this, we always need to have those in the context of, yeah, but what am I actually doing about this in my life? Mm-hmm. You know, because we, we can become sort of spiritual junkies. We can read and read and read and watch mm-hmm. and listen, but not really make a change to how we're living. Like the, the virtues give us this this crossroads of how what we know, what the Lord reveals to us, what He gives us in the church, in Scripture, in the traditions of the Christian faith, mm-hmm. how we then take those in prudence and figure out how to begin to instantiate them in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to have the con, at least the basic concepts out, out there. We'll explore them more as we go, but I wanted to have those out there so that we can refer to them as as I continue this show and talk with you. Know, hopefully, we talk some more, Peter. Mm-hmm. I, I have, other people on here to talk more about the Christian life, but to be able to use these concepts to talk about very practically, we want to learn about this stuff, but then we want to, to put it into practice into our life in Christ. Indeed. Yeah. You know, at uh, Jose Maria Escriva, St. Jose Maria Escriva, I love his writings because he's so kind of like there and practical and yeah. stuff about this stuff. And, yeah. and it's, it's su- super easy a lot of times in our life, like you've mentioned, to just become kind of only theoretical and everything. And one of the things that I love that he says, and I'm sure most of you heard of this before, is that I, it's the heroic minute. Yeah. This idea of this idea when you, the minute you wake up in the day, it's an incredible opportunity for growth and virtue. Yeah. Because in that minute you can decide to lay in bed, you know, to just kind of fall into that same old, just like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing. Yeah. Or to have like a spiritual thought. And he, he says, like, have a spiritual moment, a spiritual thought, and then just to get up. Yeah. And ultimately, that is a kind of a microcosm of what we're talking about here. Yeah. It's to wake up and to do it. Yeah. You know, like every day there's an opportunity. Every day there's little opportunities for virtue and everything. And this is where it starts with that that discernment of prudence and that discernment and these other virtues. Then ultimately, discerning what's the truth and then just doing it. 
Yeah. You know? Well, that tells us that we're out of time. Thomas. We're out yeah. of time here. So, again, you know, hopefully <laughs> that this has been edifying yeah. to you. If you like what we're doing here uh, on this show, we're starting out here. You know, consider subscribing, uh, liking, all the you know the usual internet stuff. Yeah. But again, this is a production of the Coming Home Network. We're a network of people who have embraced full communion with the Catholic Church, as well as other people who are considering that, who are asking questions, who are you know maybe on that journey someplace. And so, if that's you, if you're somewhere in that journey, um, we invite you to connect with us at the Coming Home Network. Go to www.chnetwork.org, and you can find a lot of helpful resources and online community, other great uh, programs like this, and. Again, uh, we want to journey with you. We want to remind one another that this is a, a process of continual daily conversion to Jesus Christ. So once again, thanks for joining us. God bless.